Hi everyone, welcome to Fluency for Teens' sixth ever podcast episode. I'm your host, Claire, and for those who are new here, Fluency for Teens is an international youth organization that provides free language resources for everyone, including free language classes, free language tutoring, and much more. So please check out our website at www.fluencyforteens.com. In today's episode, I'll be talking with Kelly and a podcast that she started called Voice to Culture, as well as talking through her experiences as a Nisley Abroad Scholar um, in Korea. So without further ado, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and please tune in for future episodes as well. Thank you. Just start recording. Okay, hi. So could you maybe introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. So hello again. My name is Kelly, and I am currently a first-year undergraduate student at the University of Southern California, or USC, um, studying business administration. And I guess some other relevant information would be that I uh, started a podcast called Voice to Culture, which I'm sure we'll get into later. I'm also a 2021 NSLIY finalist uh, where I got to study abroad in South Korea this summer. And I'm currently working as a national security fellow for girl security. And as for languages, I speak English, Mandarin, Cantonese, Korean, and Spanish. All right, yeah, that's so cool. So can you maybe talk about like your podcast and what inspired you to start it? Yeah, of course. So I started this podcast around two years ago. It was my junior year of high school. And I remember in high school, we had something called Socratic seminars, which is basically like all the kids sit around in a circle and we discuss very like heavy topics. So maybe that's justification of war, origin of human civilization, stuff like that. And when we transition to online school because of COVID-19, it became really hard to continue having those discussions. And I felt like I really missed being a part of that seminar because I felt like you really got to learn a lot more than you would have if you just read a textbook. And so when COVID came, I kind of had a lot of free time as many other people did. And I thought, why not start a podcast? Because this is something I've always wanted to do. I feel like this is something deeply related to what I'm interested in. And so I reached out to a couple of my classmates and they were also interested and that was kind of how it started. So Voice to Culture essentially is a podcast for the modern day confused citizen. And what we mean by that is we talk a lot about social issues, political issues, a lot of heavy topics that we feel like everyone should know about but maybe isn't always discussed. So we try to go more in detail into that and also try to um, share more about ongoing events happening in our community. Yeah, that's so great that you came up with such like an inspiring initiative, especially during the time of COVID where, you know, we're all in distance learning, but it's great that you like, you started something out of even like a challenging situation. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So what has been your favorite part about hosting this podcast? That's a really good question. I just feel like there's so many like good things that came out of it, but something in particular that I never forget is all the amazing people I get to meet. And so when we first started out, we were kind of just recording our own thing. We would just talk to each other. But when we noticed a lot of like activists or just like people doing really great work online, we thought, hey, why not reach out to them and see if maybe we can hop on an interview. And so the very first one, I remember we were so nervous because this is our very first one. This person probably didn't know anything about us. We didn't know too much about them other than we saw that they were active within our local community and we thought why not try to talk to them about that and so 
after that very first interview, because it went so well, we thought, why not continue? And so we've gotten to interview artists, we got to interview authors, just so many amazing people. And looking back, um, I look back at the people we interview and I think, wow, like you are all still doing these amazing things. And I'm so glad we got the chance to quote unquote interview before you got famous or whatever. And so I think it's just so interesting hearing what other people have to say from all across the world. So not even just within the United States, we got to talk to people in Dubai and Canada. And it was just so amazing to be able to, to kind of cross-culturally and internationally connect with others. Yeah, yeah, I can totally agree with that, you know, starting this podcast on my own too. It's so amazing to like meet people like you. Yeah, I was listening to your one of your episodes the other day and I thought it was so cool. You got to interview people like that. Yeah, it's so great because like you just get to meet people from all over the world, like through mm-hmm. this, I don't know, online platform through Zoom. Like, right. yeah. It's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's so great that you've got like so many positive, like, I guess, um, takeaways from your podcast, but have you ever faced any challenges along the way? And like, if so, how did you overcome them? Do I have a lot to tell you? <laughs> how much time do you have, Claire? Plenty. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's been really rough. I say, especially now, our biggest challenge is kind of just staying connected. So the people I started my podcast with, we all went to the same high school, but now that we're in college and we're all off to different colleges, it's been really difficult trying to find a time to meet again and kind of fall back into the same rhythm. So I would say like biggest challenge is just finding a common time and also holding on to that passion with amongst the five of us. I'd say as we grew up and we graduated high school and we moved on with our own lives, we all kind of found our own interests. And although voice of culture was still a very, very important part of our lives, I think it may be um, their activism, their advocacy may take up a different form as they're going through their undergraduate years. Um, I would say for the podcast itself, one of the bigger challenges we had was really not letting the concept of getting viral or having views affect us because we knew that our work was important. And even if we only got 10 views or 20 views or like 10 likes or whatever, it was still important that we talked about it and we were making a difference. So I'm sure like maybe you could relate sometimes too when you feel like, oh, I put so much work into this video or into this episode and how come no one's watching it? But I think it's important to remember that just because even if one person watches it, you're, that one person is still benefiting from it. Right, yeah. And eventually, when you do put in the consistent effort and you're making a difference with your work, you're trying to reach out to other organizations, to collab, and do stuff that's good for your community, you will feel more fulfilled regardless of the numbers. So, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a great way to put it. So... Like, why do you think, I guess, since your podcast is like sharing these um, different perspectives, like, why do you think it's important to share and listen, I guess, to different perspectives, especially on like such hot topics around like, you know, the time of 2020? Yeah, that's that's a really great question. I think I might have to take a, time, a little bit to think about that. <laughs> I think. Hmm. So one one thing I think that really related to us in the podcast when it came to having diverse opinions is because your opinions can change and maybe a lot faster than you think. So initially for one episode, we talked about affirmative action, but um, before it wasn't really like a super huge topic, like it wasn't, it didn't blow up overnight. And so we were really, I would say like, we didn't know as much as we should have known coming into the episode. And then afterwards when Proposition 16 came out in California and all these other stuff came out about, 
you know, equity and socioeconomic, you know, diversity, that's when our communities kind of change. And I think it's so important to have all these diverse opinions, especially during 2020 when, you know, the wake of COVID and the Black Lives Matter protests and just so many things going on. If you don't surround yourself with people who think differently than you, you will always continue that path and you'll never, not only one, will you never question your own beliefs and why do you believe the things that you do, but you may also never go above and beyond to research the things that matter to you. So something I like to attribute this to is kind of called the Dunning-Kruger effect. I'm not sure if you heard of it, but basically it's like when you know nothing, like you're a complete beginner, you're aware of that. Like you're at least you're self-aware. And so you don't really have this high expectation of yourself to know anything. But once you learn a little bit more, then you feel like, oh my gosh, I know like everything. Like I'm an expert on this. But in reality, you're still at the very, very like beginning of your faith. And then as you progress deeper and deeper into higher level research, into uh, more advocacy, even with language learning, as you're learning more and more of the language you're trying to study, you realize that there's so much more that's still left for you to learn. And so you you had to fall back down on that high level of confidence and you work to build that up again. So I'd say when you have diverse opinions, it challenges you to kind of overcome that curve. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely like such a great insight. And yeah, definitely during like 2020, like with all like the protests and issues being like brought into the light, I've definitely challenged myself to also like kind of look towards the other side because I feel like, especially now things get so polarized. It seems like everything's Mm -hmm. black and white, but like, it's not always like that. You know, you kind of just got to immerse yourself, I guess, in the variety of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Like taking in different perspectives, Mm -hmm. listening to other people. Yeah. 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 So kind of switching topics here. um, Could you maybe talk about like, your Nisley experience and like I guess what inspired you to apply yeah of course I feel like I talk about Nisley 25-8 so <laughs> hopefully you won't get tired of this but I came across Nisley kind of in an unusual way so I go to I went to school in the west coast I grew up in California and so Nisley wasn't really popular here I'd say it was more something you hear over in DC over in the east coast and so when I came across a, I came across the Nisley website at first, and I thought this seems too good to be true. So I didn't apply the first year. And I really regret that because I wish I had just done more research on that, or maybe had gone to college confidential or something to just look into it deeper. But I just never believed that that was possible, especially coming from a first generation college student background, coming from a family who didn't have a lot of money. I would say that what kind of initially put me off in Nisley. But then around a year later, I came across a YouTube video from uh, Nisley Y alumni, and uh, she talked about the program. And she was like, oh, this is the National Security Language Initiative for Youth. They basically send high school students to study abroad for free, all on scholarship. And I was like, is this really like all free? And she was like, yeah. And so that's when I kind of revisited Nisley again and thought, okay, this is my senior, this is like me going to my senior year. So this would be my last time applying anyways. I pretty much have nothing to lose. So why not go ahead and try to apply for Nisley? And so out of all the languages that Nisley offered, I decided to choose Korean because, uh, well, for one, I am Chinese American. I grew up learning Mandarin all 13 years of Chinese school. And I felt like if I had taken Mandarin, um, it wouldn't really challenge me to really learn another language. And so that's why I chose Korean because I thought, well, this is another East Asian language, but it's not too far out of my comfort zone. I think this is something I want to genuinely explore and I want to see like if I can speak another language that isn't just English and Chinese and a little bit of Spanish in high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
So what was like your experience studying abroad and what is something like valuable that you got from it? It's a really, really good question. And there's so much I could talk about, but in the interest of time, I would say first off, my experience was definitely more life-changing than I thought it would be. I think when you talk to other study abroad kids, they'll say study abroad changed your lives. And yes, it is very cliche, but it is true to extent because it does force you to kind of be like an immigrant all over again. So my parents are immigrants and I really got to empathize with what they went through because nobody in Korea, obviously nobody in Korea would like go out of their way to like speak English for you or like, you know, try to help you adjust. You're kind of just like there with your other NSL wives, uh, peers and the staff, but you're pretty much on your own. And while that is scary in a way, it also is liberating because you kind of get to start a whole new life and challenge yourself to do simple things like going to the grocery store or taking the bus to school. And even that can be an adventure of itself because you're forcing yourself to learn Korean or learn the language. You're forcing yourself to be aware of your host family's needs and other people's needs. And also trying to make the most of your experience here. I know that um, especially within high school, it's very easy to get stressed and get caught up in all the competition and all the stuff going on. But when you're really studying abroad and you have no expectations placed on you other than just learn the language and do as best as you can. It's really reassuring and I can't imagine what my high school career would have been like if I hadn't ended it with these sleep. Um, I'd say something really valuable I learned was just how I viewed my own fam familial relationships. So in Asian culture, especially East Asian, it's very important that you care for your family and you take care of them and so my parents were they're a lot older and so it's very hard for me to relate to them at times but when I met my host family they were surprisingly very young so I think they were possibly newlyweds and they just had kids and they had two little host brothers that were like toddler age and it was so adorable mm -hmm. and just being able to talk with them late at night and be very chill and honest about um, how school is doing how my friendships were going and just stuff that I was going through, it was very comforting. And I felt like if I hadn't studied abroad, I don't think I would have experienced what it was like to live as a daughter for another family. So I'd say my biggest takeaway from this is just like how I learned to interact with other people. And also, even from a career perspective, it kind of made me think, how can I add an international element to what I'm currently studying, which is business? And how can I continue using languages in my everyday life? Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, that seems like such an incredible experience. Definitely going to inspire me to like apply one day too. Yeah, so can you also talk maybe about like your experience in learning the Korean language and like- Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, so when I first applied to Nisli, I knew that I didn't have any previous experience in Korean, um, but because I did apply early and I was aware that there was a possibility I might be going to Korea if I was accepted, I did a lot of self-study. So uh, I believe you, you're studying Korean as well, right? So you probably yeah. heard of like, um, what is it? Korea Made Simple by Go Pilly mm -hmm. Korean, or I don't know if you've heard yeah. that, but basically it's this like book. And so I bought the first one and I started learning it. And it actually helped a lot, but the biggest traffic I would say is it teaches a lot of formal Korean instead of like conversational Korean. So formal Korean is typically like what you use in writing and like poetry and stuff, but like 
speaking Korean, if you say that out loud, it just sounds weird. So that was the biggest um, thing I had to learn when I actually went to Korea. And I realized people don't actually talk like that. <laughs> so uh, I did self-study with that book. I tried to use um, other resources like the Talk to Me in Korean podcast and just also um, conversing with other Nisli advocates. But I would say the majority of my actual learning Korean process came from when I was in Korea because you're not only forced to use Korean every day, but also for our program, we didn't have um, data on our phones. So we didn't have LTE. So if you didn't have Wi-Fi, you were pretty much lost. And that really, really forces you to learn Korean as much as you can so you can communicate. And so in my class, um, I was in the level one class. So there's four levels and they basically place you based on your placement test results. So in the level one class, I remember we were all learning stuff like numbers and um, like objects and stuff like that. But by the time we actually got to the direction section and like uh, left, right, like where, how do you say how can I go to the best station? I was already towards the end and we all my classes were like, wow, this would have been helpful if we learned this in the beginning. <laughs> but I'd say uh, for learning Korean, any as far as if you're trying to learn Korean, just um, uh, don't don't come in with the expectation that like it's going to be like super easy just because you listen to like Korean music or you watch Korean dramas and stuff. I know that can be really um, tempting to believe that um, everything's going to be easy, but just like with any other language, it takes a lot of dedication and effort and a lot of just like memorization as well because you don't really you don't really say Korean the way that you write Korean. There's a lot of words in Korean that it's pronounced one way when you speak it but if you say it to like a, a regular Korean they're like no you actually kind of slur the words this way because that's it's just faster to say so I would just keep a note of that I always try to reference native Koreans and what um, advice they have for you mm-hmm. yeah that's some great piece of advice and just final question do you have just any like tips in general for anyone who's interested in applying to this program yeah a lot <laughs> Um, let me think about that. There's there's so much advice out there for NISLY applicants. If you read a lot of the alumni blogs and um, blogs and YouTube channels, they will have tons of advice for you. But I would say the biggest three questions you want to be able to answer in your NISLY application are why NISLY? So I guess why NSLY over other programs like CBYS, YES, like all these other study programs? Why do you want NISLY in particular? They're, in the name, it even says National Security Language Initiative. So if your goal is to not learn the language, this may not be the right program for you. So you really wanna show how you're gonna use the language and stuff like that. How are you gonna learn the language? How have you already demonstrated learning the language um, if you're not a beginner? The second question is, why this language? So I believe I talked about this earlier in the podcast, but um, I chose Korean because of very specific reasons. I wanted to learn another East Asian language. I wanted to build East Asian solidarity. I wanted to challenge myself that I wasn't just learning Chinese because I learned that for so many years. If you can demonstrate why you're learning the language um, beyond surface level reasons, and perhaps you've taken a Korean class or you've um, studied the language on your own, that will really show that you're committed to learning language and you'll continue that if you were selected to be a part of the program. So the last question is just how will you take away from this experience slash like what, you know, what will you give back to the Nisliwa community? For Nisli, there's a lot of ways to get involved as an alumni. There's the Alumni Association. They hold a bunch of events every year to help prospective applicants. So 
I think if you are looking to apply to NISLE, definitely talk about how it relates to your college major, if you know that, or just how you plan on using the language. So the, I think like one of the biggest misconceptions people have is you have to become a diplomat afterwards, or you have to study international relations, which is not true. There's a lot of people in my cohort who went on to study engineering, study nursing, study all different kinds of fields. And so don't feel like you have to be a specific type of person in order to be accepted. Nestle is really looking for people who are going above and beyond to challenge themselves to learn the language. And yeah, just kind of stick it out because Nestle, as good of an experience it was, it was also very challenging at times. So I would just say look out for that. And um, other than the three questions you want to be able to address, just reach out to current alumni. They're, I'm sure they're more than happy to help you. And yeah, yeah, don't be shy. <laughs> Okay, great. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for talking with me. It was great meeting you and like hearing all your great experiences. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me and good job on doing so much amazing work with this podcast. Thank you. Good job with you too. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right, thank you. take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to our sixth ever podcast episode. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And if you liked today's episode, please tune in for future episodes as well. And please reach out if you have any topics that you would like to hear about, or if you would like to be interviewed in my episodes as well. Thank you.